2: Today is Thursday, August 5th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 420, which just feels fitting with our content today, featuring the voice of the Celtics, Sean Grandy, powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. All right, folks. Well, here we are again. Another new edition of Celtics Beat. It has been uh, just a, a little bit, I guess, a lot changes in a week in some ways. Certainly everyone's attitude. Uh, you look at social media, that changes. And uh, it's been it's been a minute for sure since we've had Sean Grandy on with us. Uh, long time, as I always like to tell him, radio voice of the Celtics. And uh, you catch him all over the place staying very busy. Evan Valenti here as well. I'm Adam Kaufman. As I may or may not have said, I can't remember. Sean, how are you? Uh, well, Evan, what's that deal? Is that, that your own that your personal...
1: Yeah, I don't know. I no,
2: I like it. I think
1: everyone should it. have one. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, got to keep it light. At one point, I was doing like the, the Jamal Mary, like three-point arrow. I oh, like he gab- was dabbing. dabbing. The Abu Dab, Dab. Yeah. yeah. I like yeah, to do no, something to keep it light and easy for the people watching it at home. You know, I, I try to provide more of a viewing experience sometimes and a listening experience to try and drive traffic that way. So if you're listening to this show and you want to know what I'm doing on camera uh, as we start the show, She's probably subscribed to me. our YouTube channel. I,
2: Media. Sean, think, do you, re, you remember Gangnam style? You remember when that was a thing? I like, do. Say, I absolutely. Yeah. I can I can see him doing that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah he'd absolutely. get up and do that just while I was yeah. talking. It was, yeah. it was it was odd.
0: It was Carlton. It was different. You do the Carlton from uh, you yeah. know, like anything, there's a lot of different ways to yeah, exactly um, right. You see, you know, here's the thing. Yeah, that people podcasters, people who have radio backgrounds or whatever, have all been forced to change their game a little bit the same way we just passed the 40th anniversary of mtv Mm -hmm. that changed the music industry because there were some artists that jump right into it they're like oh they're really good at expressing their music in video form and a lot of them couldn't do it and they were left behind because they couldn't produce good videos and so they didn't get the airtime on mtv and now it's the same thing like you're not gonna you know now you have to think about what's behind you you know, if I got that, pictures of my wedding and like the, the Simpsons, <laughs> the Simpsons caricature of the wedding, yeah, which was a gift. You know, all these different things you have to have behind you. And then the Zoom shot during the pandemic became the new medicine cabinet. Right. You're like, right. well, what does that person have in there? And uh, like, oh, there's no way that guy's read that book. There's no. And
2: that's what you're doing now. So, yeah. No, the number of times that I've been asked by people, so are, the, are those movies behind you or, or books? And I know I'm not nearly that well read. For, for all of this to be books i I invested really well in in the digital video disc phenomenon I read the streaming market well well who among us has not said oh yeah that biography of Thomas
0: Jefferson I've always been meaning to get around to that but you know yeah. what I'll just I'll just put it here and then it looks like um you know
1: I'll say I'll say Bob Ryan has the most impressive backdrop because he's in this like library of his and I guarantee you he's probably read the majority of the books in that library it's like six the, times
2: each yeah it, it looks like
1: He's got this old leather chair like he that like looks like you know you have a cigar very professorial and he's got all these books behind him and you're like yeah that's 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 what bob ryan's study would look like i think if i had a picture in my head exactly what it would look like. so Pat, Pat well, especially
2: since he used to have a mustache and and was yeah. on tv all the time like maybe he really is and you know like this is what ron burgundy's next stage looks like yeah that's that's you know what Wonder what books Ron Berger did. Many leather-bound
0: books. Many leather-bound books. Yeah, Pat we Williams before the former GM of the Orlando Magic, Pat Williams used to write and he literally could have a one that looks like yours, Adam, that was just books that he wrote. We'd go to Orlando two or three times a year and every time we were there, he'd have a new book that he wrote. You know, he would <laughs> write like a book a week. And just you know motivational stuff. And I don't know if it was like that Brian Griffin motivational books, like with you know, see it, want it, do it or whatever, it Had blank like, pages. <laughs> I don't
2: know how he did it because he would He'd
0: like churn out one every couple of weeks.
2: Yeah. You t- it reminds me of the, uh, are you sure it wasn't nothing? you sure it was a book? <laughs> <sure it> <laughs> <that's it. laughs> we, we can keep doing this. You know, you can tell we could. There and, listening, and watching. Sure. Yeah, how much we want to actually talk about what's going on with the Celtics this off season. <laughs> Sorry. It's, so, it, it's irresponsible
0: right. because there are so many free agents uh, that have been added to the roster that we need yes. to discuss that. Uh, yeah. I find it. This was, I guess, somewhat predictable, but amusing nonetheless um, to
2: watch the way this is playing out and uh, well, I, t- I don't know if if you saw i tweeted yesterday i think it was it, like with the i quote tweeted whoever it was woad shams that had the ennis canter for anyone that's under a rock ennis Cantor so far is the the only free agent signing for the celtics he's coming back folks you know, whether you like it or not evan tweeting angrily that he can't do canter minutes anymore evan Cantor's coming or ennis canter's coming back and and look i'll say this much about Cantor. you know it, it, there are pros and cons obviously the the, like great locker room guy great person great citizen you know just a you know I I think he obviously a great teammate you know the Forsberg's podcast can come back now like there are all sorts of positives to Ennis Cantor coming back with the Celtics and money is fine like there's you can't scoff at the money of him getting the veterans minimum 2.7 you can look at the role and and what role Mm -hmm. he'll play and, and does this you know is is this the beginning of Al Horford getting, you know, dealt away midseason. Obviously the, the lack of defensive ability. He's more of a, you know, he can give you rebounds. He can give you some points off the bench. He, he can contribute. So it's like, it's not all bad, but the fact that it was Ennis Cantor first, like that was Brad's first free agent signing, you know, and it was, it was the, the, the only thing so far I tweeted out yesterday, like this has to be the most unintentionally hilarious Celtics offseason that I can remember in, in I don't know how long. Was the only, and I think Cantor was the only former Celtic who hadn't been mentioned, as right. Coming
0: back, yeah, Bradley, right? and week yeah. it was that right. Yeah, that entire, entire, list, that entire list. already that. back. Um, yeah, it's uh, an interesting center rotation with Al and Robert Williams. And let put this way: there were no 82 game guys on that list. So nope, uh, that's going to be mix and match. It's a it's a mix and match year. There are interesting players. Uh, my Max and I were talking about this yesterday that. The issue is that the Celtics, it's, it's kind of funny the way it's going to work out in that nothing as far as the content of the team and their success and where they fit really in the Eastern Conference right now as we're talking again, August 5th, who knows? It's a long way away, even though mm-hmm. we, haven't, we haven't even seen the schedule. One of the most absurd things at the NBA. One of the only areas where the NBA really, in my view, struggles and falls behind the other entities is every year I find it hysterical that we get the Major League Baseball schedule for next year before we get like, we know where the Red Sox are playing in September of 22 before we know where the Celtics are playing in October, <laughs> you know, two months too much. Yeah. Yeah, Which is always held because of the free agencies and they every, you know, TV wants every little piece that they can get of good matchups and things like that. But it really is. It's like, uh, guys, we're you know training camps opening next month and we don't have a schedule. It is kind of silly. Uh, but the one thing that's going to go away this year is the artificially artificially high expectations, which mm-hmm. were a big issue last year. And so suddenly the Celtics are almost backing their way into a potential position of being underappreciated and completely dismissed. And no idea, anybody right now, as we're talking August 5th, is anybody talking about or looking at the Celtics, and I'm not saying they will be, as a team that's going to avoid the play-in in the Eastern Conference. Because I think it's what, possible right I, I don't it's possible, but here's the, the thing of what, what happens now with the free agents. Every new player that goes to a team you say, "Oh man, I like that guy I've seen the highlights of that guy you're not watching him every single game. Marcus Smart is probably the perfect example where people say they know all the things the downside that comes with Marcus Smart, and you sort of dismiss the upside players you have because you're looking over the wall. Oh, I know that name. I know that name. That guy went there. That guy went there. Oh, you know, the Lakers got this guy and whatever. And a perfect example, I could turn out to be completely wrong, but I'm curious how the new look high sex appeal, Chicago bulls are going to stop anybody from scoring. Like just as an example, that's, a, that's yeah. an example of a team where you say, Oh my God, Chicago added this guy and this guy and this guy, they're going to be great. And they're going to win 50 player, top four team in the East. Are they? Um, You know, we don't. The other element about the season coming up, and this is just something to say August 5th, so you can run this back later on YouTube. And didn't Grandy say that? He always says this stuff like four months at a time and it sounds crazy. And then, you know, it turns out to be kind of right. The other thing as the NBA that I think we are have dropped the ball on here is the quick turnaround to this season and how last year we know what a disaster it was as far as guys getting hurt. There was no turnaround time. We rushed to start the season at historical proportions. And we had an eight week off season from the end of the finals to the start of the crazy year. This year's only nine weeks. <laughs> there's no, there's virtually no difference yeah. between the, the very small off season. And I get the idea of wanting to be back on the track. I've not signed off on the idea of starting October and to me, why not start November 1st or, you know, you get closer to getting back on track. Now we're, everybody's rushing right back in. I think the teams that had long playoff runs, which obviously did not include the Celtics, are going to be, again, at a disadvantage. And I think there are you know, potential for more injuries
2: and more unpredictable, the unpredictable nature of the regular season. John, obviously there's, there's so much to unpack. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people look caught up in the here and now and what have you done for me lately? You look at it. And it's just like, all right, well, as we talk right now, NBA free agency has been open for what, 36 hours longer. I don't even know. And all, all the Celtics have done is, is add Ennis Cantor. Like that's, that's it. And and more than that, even, I can't even think of when to started at this point, but you know, you, you look back. All right. I mean, the Celtics, obviously, you know, they flip, Kemba, who's now going to be a Nick right after, obviously, and how much would you love to have Kemba on an $8 million deal? You flip him away. He goes uh, to OKC. You bring in, obviously, Al Horford. You lost your first-round pick. You've absorbed Josh Richardson now into the Leftover Gordon Hayward TP with Charlotte. You know you're eventually seemingly going to move away Tristan Thompson in that deal. Whenever that's finalized, Chris Dunn will come in. Maybe he's flipped. We'll see. Hopefully he's healthy if he does stick around. You get this. You know Bruno Fernando guy coming in as well. Um, again, whenever it finally happens, and his Cantor comes in, you know you're you're kind of mending any sort of locker room, uh, sort of strife, rift, concerns about. Uh, things that at least have been reported, like Thompson being gone and Cantor, as we said, is a good locker room guy. Horford, obviously, well-respected, good locker room guy. Hasn't been a terrible offseason for the Celtics. Hasn't been a great one by any means, but it hasn't been a terrible one. I think what's what's sort of in a lot of ways most interesting, and, and you and I have talked about this before, the fact that, you know, it, it's like Brad Stevens, as, as he gets used to this this new role president of basketball operations, you know, Danny Ainge, he was, he was experienced at it. He did it for almost 20 years. You know, he, he got the lying gene, you know, he, you know, tell, tell you what I want to tell you. And that's it. Brad's not there yet. Brad is, is to his credit or, or otherwise, but however people want to look at it, he's telegraphed everything, like everything that he has said he has done. There has been no, you know, kind of worm in his way around things. The Celtics by, by my view, have a plan. Now, you can decide whether or not you like the plan, and that's totally fair, but they have a plan. They have a very clear plan for the first time in, I don't even know how long. I mean, first time that I can really remember where they they have a plan, they've told you the plan, they're doing the plan, but the plan comes with its potential downside, which is the plan doesn't work. And what that is, is they are, we're not offering any multi-year deals. We're not going anywhere near the tax. We're not paying into the tax. Ownership is not willing to do it right now. You know, Wick and Company, this we're not doing it, all right? We're not spending there. We are clearing any bad contracts any and poor value contracts, any contract where we have to potentially, you know, like with Kemba, give something up in order to send something away, which is why Evan Fournier wasn't re-signed. If that contract looked bad, didn't have to part with more picks in order to get rid of him, we are right now living in a moment. We are just We are maximizing our cap space for 2022 to put ourselves in position to sign Brad Beal. Provided he actually wants to leave Washington, which by all accounts so far is that he does not want to do that. But that's what we're doing. We are putting ourselves in position to bring in, whether it's Beal specifically or a max level free agent, rest of the roster be damned. We will have the Jays. We will have Beal. We will figure it out. We may have to renounce Smart, Robert Williams, list goes on. But that is what our objective is. And again, to their credit, only in this sense, they're telling you that's what they're doing and they're doing it. We just don't know if it's going to work out. Thirty teams have a plan. They can't all work. By yeah. definition, they can't all work. Things go
0: wrong. You can have the perfect plan and Gordon Hayward can break his leg five mm-hmm. minutes into opening night and that three years is your chances to win a championship. We now know ended at that moment. We kind of you had a gut feeling that might be the case when yeah. it happened, but then it's everything takes on a different route, but you realize looking back now that 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 moment changed everything mm-hmm. for the Celtics. And that's how it happens. Uh, the bringing in the third guy, you know, with Tatum and Jalen Brown, uh, how to work for Drew Holiday in Milwaukee when you get that third guy, uh, how to work sure. with, you know, with Phoenix when they got Chris Paul and they were able to make their, this is how it, this is how it works. And you can make all the little moves. Again, the Celtics with, let's say the, let's say for the sake of this discussion, the Chris Dunn thing is going to happen. You got Chris Dunn, you got Jason Richardson, you got Al Horford, there's a chance here to be a decent and pretty good team. And, uh, you know, it's again, not going to be a high sex appeal team. Although if you have Tatum and Jalen Brown, I don't see how you're not. It's just that people aren't, you know, assume that you needed to add Patty Mills to go over the tax to win 45 games instead of 43. That's a bad, that's a bad decision. And again, if you're a fan, he says, it's not my money. Okay. I get that too. But telegraphing the plan I guess the question, the rhetorical question I would ask is, is this the best possible plan from where you are mm-hmm. with Tatum and Brown, with the roster flexibility that you didn't have, that you now have more of, is this the correct approach from where you are? Because that's all you can do is say, yeah, I want to have three max uh, superstar players and fill them in with role players around that I drafted who were on their first contract and then get some veterans like Golden State. We all know what the, You know, how you get there and how you win a championship, but you can only plan it from where you are. And again, the Celtics, the ESPN always used to do do those futures things, like which roster would you rather have going forward? And the Celtics over the last few years have been consistently top two or top three, and maybe they're not, but they're still, you know, a lot of teams don't have the, aren't in the starting blocks where the Celtics are. It's just that I think the reality, what's happening this week as we're talking, is the reality is settling in that this year on paper is going to be more like last year was. And last year, which was a 500 season with some good players, some good moments, was treated here in Boston as if it was this epic dumpster fire because people's expectations were too high. You had the most games lost to COVID. You had all the things you had. And last year wasn't nearly as bad as we're going to remember it. 2020 was much better than we're going to remember it uh, you know, go to the conference finals and when even that wasn't acceptable somehow. And I think maybe a second year will help reset people to being a little more realistic about the fact there are 30 teams and you had a four or five year run where you were in the conversation at the top of the league. And you probably are not going to be, you weren't last year and you probably aren't going to be this year, but are you in that spot with two young superstar players to, uh,
2: you know, be a destination? So you tell me just real quick before Evan goes, I mean, attempt to answer your own rhetorical question. Is this the, in in your estimation right now, like you said, as we sit here, August 5th, is this the right plan? I mean, they chose another direction. They chose this one, but is this the right plan as opposed to, you know, they could have brought Kemba back and banked on health. They could have traded him away still, but re-signed Evan Fournier. They could have kept both those guys. They, you know, they could have spent, they could have, you know, looked at this in a variety of different ways. They could have offered anybody a multi-year deal. You know, they they could have taken another road versus the road they have chosen, obviously. Is this the right plan? Uh, probably. This is door number two, right? You can't see what's
0: behind door number two. I think people would be more dissatisfied knowing that you're going to go with Kembo. Uh, listen, I think Evan Forney, I think both these guys... Are underrated generally by the vocal minority of Celtics fans. I think both Kemba Walker Edith and Fournier, particularly Fournier, uh, very much underrated. As you you sort of indicated it, the Kemba issue. Kemba at eight nine million a year. <laughs> Sign me up for that. I think he's going to mm-hmm. be have a good year. I think he's going to be high energy uh, playing in New York. Fournier is one of those players that you realize, man, when you he's on your team and you're watching him every night, you're like, wow, this guy's better than I thought he was from afar. He's a really good player. This is about the as you said, the long-term nature of the contract. Uh, salary cap flexibility, trade flexibility, doesn't do much for fans when you lose the game to the Knicks when Kemba and Fournier play well. So I think there are some difficult moments coming, but I don't think people would have been satisfied with a Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier as the, you know, the supplemental pieces because around here, as we've said, as we hear a million times, it's about championships. About And if that's the case... If it's all about going for championships and it doesn't matter if you win 45 games or 52 games or 38 games or 36 games, you're either a championship contender or bust, then this was the only option. Because I don't think that that group was going to give it to you with that sort of, you know, with those long-term contracts. And again, Fournier at twenty million a year or twenty-something million a year three or four years from now, what was that going to prevent you from doing? We don't know. Like most of these questions, they're three or four years away. When when Gordon Hayward gets hurt, or this could be devastating to the Celtics' chances to win a championship in this little window. But we don't know. It turns out, it certainly was because it changed the whole dynamic of you know Tatum stepping in and Gordon never Gordon wanting to leave because he never got to be the guy, and then all you know the, all the subsequent things that happened.
1: Yeah, it was like the perfect storm of messes, basically, for Boston. They had this plan, blew up in their face. Hayward gets hurt. Kyrie leaves. They try and salvage that with Kemba. Kemba looks good to start, then gets hurt. And it's just, it's, it, it, it people want to kill Danny Ainge for certain things. And I think some of those are valid. But the way he was able to, to maneuver a little bit and find somewhat solutions, I thought was, you know, somewhat admirable. You know, the, falling into the Kemba thing, which seemed like it would have worked for a bit until he got hurt is just, you know, one of those things. And to just to piggyback off Sean for a second, I think people have to realize who you're really chasing right now in terms of like teams in the East. And Sean said it beautifully. You know Kemba Walker and and Evan Fournier are are good players. You know when they're healthy and available and all that stuff. You know Kemba will see what what he's got left in that knee, and you know until Fournier got COVID, he looked like he was going to be a really solid part of this team. The problem is that doesn't guarantee you anything right now in the Eastern Conference as a team. Doesn't you know it gets better and better every single offseason. But you're chasing the Nets, and and the Bucks are right there too. You know to, to say like, oh, the Bucks. Look at the Bucks. Got Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker and. You know they had a couple of guys sip up off the bench, and that's how they won a title. It's like yeah, well, yeah, and no question they won a title because of their their structure. But they also won a title because Kevin Durant's foot size is about three sizes too big, and they were that close to not going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Never mind the NBA Finals. The Nets, if they're healthy, are the best team I think in the league still, and that's a team that you have to chase. Now, if Kemba's healthy and Fournier is is going to be a, a solid role player off the bench or, you know, whether it's a or not, like maybe that gets you towards that team. But if that Nets team is healthy, that's the team that's going to be really tough to beat. And if you're paying Kemba 30 million and you're paying, uh, you're paying 48, 20 million, you're paying Jalen Brown, you know, as it goes up further in price, 28, 29 million, million, Tatum 30 million. There's 120 million right there, approximately for four guys. And you still might not have the best team on paper. So, I know people are mad because they haven't done anything, but to be frankly honest with you, none of the things that were quote unquote rumored were probably going to happen anyway. the Lonzo ball thing I think was just like a a pipe dream for a lot of people, and then after that, none of those moves really made any sense. This reset that Boston had had to happen at some point, and they're doing it now in, in a year where it's like, all right, well, if we sign those guys, we're not guaranteed contention, never mind a, a finals appearance so let's take a a, a a year not a year off, but let's just let's reset our books and let our, you know, young guys, Neesmith, Pritchard, Romeo, you know, Rob and Grant, the guys they've drafted in the first round over the past couple of years, let's see if those guys actually have anything. I mean, we all looked at Pritchard last year when he started like, what a fine this kid is. He's exactly what they need. Neesmith at the end of the year really came on strong. Uh shot fifty percent from three over the past couple of games good volume, good energy, brings length on defense. Like you have to see – you have to at least take a look at those guys and what this season will allow you to do, give those guys a normal offseason along with Tatum and Brown, give those guys more opportunity to shine, and then at the end of the year you say, okay, here's what we know we have, here's what we need to upgrade, and now you'll have actual cap space to go out and address those issues. So, yes, plan A, plan B, plan C are all in, in play here, And ask the Dallas Mavericks what it's like to go sell out for a free agent and come up short, right? We all remember DeAndre Jordan being, you know, locked in his own house with Blake Griffin and Todd Rivers to prevent, you know, Mark Cuban from coming out. There's that possibility, no question. But you don't even know what you have yet with these younger guys. And I think you owe it to yourself to say, okay, like, you know, we might not be amazing this year, but we'll see what Tatum's like with, Another year as the top guy. We'll see another year of Jalen Brown as the number two option. And we'll see what our what, you know the rest of the, the, the group brings. I think this is, and I'm not trying to, to you know, it sounds like I'm trying to be the, the optimist here. I'm just trying to paint the picture for everyone what they're probably talking about similarly, you know, in the front office. They have questions that need to be answered. And eventually you would have to answer these questions. And instead of kicking the can down the road further and further and further, which they've done over the past couple of years, Sean, this to me at least – Again, it might not be sexy, it might not be fun, it might not be what people want, but this particular part of their development as a franchise is necessary, and doing it now versus later I think is probably a good idea, no?
0: The 10-second version of that, The ten, we got to go to break. You only have 10 seconds to sum up everything you just said. Celtics weren't going to win the East this year anyway. Mm-hmm. This past year or the next year, anyway, it's the Nets and Bucks time right now. Celtics were in the conversation to win the East for about three, four, or five years. You don't get to be in that conversation very much. Wasn't going to happen right now. And it wasn't going to happen with Kemba and Fournier. So, what is next? And position yourself for the post Brooklyn, you know, Milwaukee era. And again, by the way, you're talking about Milwaukee and Brooklyn, and they do have the deepest rosters or the best top guys or whatever. Milwaukee won the championship because they have the best player. And if he isn't the best player, it's because the guy in Brooklyn is the best player. She's demonstrating in the Olympics right now. So Mm -hmm. that helps, too. You need the point where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they are where they are in the league right now. And they're clearly creeping up that hierarchy. But you win a championship when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both top 10 players in the league, top 20 players in the league.
2: What people want to jump to, though, Sean, and. We all see it. It's all over social media. There are articles that are, they're wasting, they're They're wasting the years, wasting a year, wasting a year of the Jays. Now, I would contend that, and and to what degree this goes, I I don't know, I'm not behind closed doors, but I would contend that, you know, and and this has certainly been alluded to, everything that is happening, for better or worse, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are part of that discussion. They certainly know what Brad Stevens is up to right now, what the front office is up to. Now, are they happy about it? Are they fully supportive? Are they in on the plan? That is another thing entirely, obviously. The Awareness is one thing, but, but being on board is another versus, you know, speeding up the clock of these guys either leaving upon free agency or, you know, worst case scenario demanding their way out of town as we see so often around the nba granted not usually until a guy's a little closer to 30 than either of these guys are but obviously it's it's a possibility it exists what do you think the view uh, everything that evan outlined you know the shorter version that you outlined where do tatum and brown fall in line with this right now because it's hard to to not feel like if you're them it's hard to not feel like Man, this, like this is what we're doing for the next year. Well, that take is a little bit. Uh,
0: that take to me falls under the umbrella of this whole unrealistic nature of there being twenty nine of the teams and where the Celtics rank, and somehow how the the birthright of the Celtics is to compete for a championship every year. If Jalen Brown, for example, is was one, and by the way, you know where you see this stuff on social media from fans. You see anything on social media from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, like they're looking over the wall and they want to be elsewhere. Jalen Brown has been in the league five years. He's been to the conference finals three times in five years in the league. You want to talk about guys looking over the wall? What about Carl Anthony Towns? What about guys who haven't been anywhere near the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Kemba Walker Kemble Walker was desperate that one of the great ironies of course if you want to call her whatever it was Kemba Walker came to Boston in large part so he could play playoff games in front of a crowd at TD Garden because he had basically never been in the playoffs and he was playing in Charlotte and he wanted those moments in Boston and of course he gets hurt he literally did not get to play a single playoff game because of the pandemic and whatever didn't play a single playoff game in TD Garden which is unbelievable the way that you know, the way that worked out, but the notion that they're wasting, these are still very, these are not 30 year old guys who've been in the lottery for six or seven years. They've been guys who've been, whether they realize it or not, outrageously fortunate to be as close to a championship and in these deep playoff runs very early in their career. So of course they won it again, but uh, until I see Jason Tatum say, boy, we better do something uh, dramatic or I'm going to lose it. I'm going to start looking, and by the way, I know everyone's going to freak out. I always think a player should enjoy free agents. Uh, you know, you've, you've earned that. Yeah. If you're a top player. You've, you've earned that uh, whining and dining and all the other stuff. And hopefully they end up wanting to, you know, play together and do this together and return the loyalty. But that's not, again, it's not, if you're looking for that to worry about, uh, you know, you're just not the angst, is what bothered me about last year. And again, this is all vocal minority, but the angst about, well, we're not, we're not an elite team. We're not going to win a championship this year. Okay. If you, I, and again, I think we've had this conversation before. If your kids aren't getting a pluses, all a pluses, I'm sorry, but how about appreciating some of the things that are happening last year was a, a miserable year for a lot of reasons, but it had to do with not being able to go to games. It had to do with, not traveling. It had to do with COVID. It had to do with the, you know, the pandemic It had to do with uh, all the games missed. And yeah, the Celtics, I don't know what the real number was, but I think that again, vocal minority uh, people, there was this expectation that somehow the Celtics were a championship caliber team last year. And then they had this 500 season. That wasn't the, if they had been completely healthy and no COVID and Jalen doesn't get hurt. I don't know what the upside was. Maybe they go another round in the playoffs. Maybe they get to 42, 43 wins. I don't know. But last year was not – a lot of bad stuff happened. But I just didn't think that 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 was an elite championship-caliber team to begin with going into last year. You can't lose Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and the first Al Horford departure and Marcus Morris and Terry Rozier and all the people that left and somehow think you're going to stay at the top of the league. So I just think this is a – the irony of what's going on now is that people are, oh, they're, they're not getting any free agents. You're not. Uh, now, expectations are going to come down. I think the Celtics have a legitimate chance, again, the August 5th roster is what we're talking about, to actually end up being a surprise team this year. And it would be funny if they won, make up a number, it doesn't matter, 45, 46 games, and they make the playoffs, either through the play-in tournament or they get the sixth seed or whatever it is, and they have a good first-round they could have a year that's better and more entertaining than last year, but it would all be people just think this is going to be another, this is going to be some kind of dumpster fire, and it's not.
2: I'll, devil's advocate a little bit though to to what you were just talking about. I mean, I remember one of the times that you know we sat down doing this show, and you know you were talking about that playoff run in the bubble being you know the the best postseason run in terms of just the way they were playing, not obviously the results, but the way. Second they Second best. Playing. I'll just jump in for a second to say. That was the second best team
0: the Celtics have had in the last 30 years.
2: Okay. So that's exactly yeah. where I was. So, wasn't it so that in mind? I mean, wasn't it reasonable to go into last year with, you know, high ish expectations? Uh, not without Gordon Hayward, with Gordon Hayward leaving.
0: Uh, and again, you just didn't know about the health of, you remember at the start, going into last year, Gordon Hayward suddenly leaves out of nowhere and Kemba Walker is not playing. Sure. So, no, I don't think it was. Realistic and Brooklyn wasn't Brooklyn, remember in mm-hmm. 2020. You had no Durant, yeah, no, you know Kyrie. Kyrie got hurt, whatever. So I don't think it was. I think, and you know, you still had Daniel Tyson who helped to win a lot of games in 2020 and things like that. I thought the Celtics were in the conversation. I obviously, like everybody else in the world, I thought they would win more games last year than they did. But I didn't look at them. I think it was a matter of time with Philadelphia. Coaching change, and then I, I just thought the Celtics were probably going in as the third or fourth best team, you know, at, at best in the East. But uh, to me, the, the Hayward one was half surprising, and then the really the big blow because that was something you couldn't replace. Ironically, you sort of did replace it a little bit with Euro Hayward with Fournier, yeah, um, and he was able to play some of that role. But again, even with Gordon Hayward, as good as the twenty twenty team was, you had a run. And a lot of this had to do with Tatum progressing much faster than we thought where, and we can still have this conversation. Max likes to have it a lot about the replication of Tatum and Brown. When your best players are all virtually playing the same position, you Tatum, mm-hmm. Brown, Hayward, again, it kind of, it kind of made sense. And this is, by the way, this leads to the entire, the door number three option, which is trading Jalen Brown and trading Jason, or, you know, not having the two of them. Yeah. together because they they replicate each other max is oh, a, Max's max has been trying to he's a big jalen he's brown carl anthony towns guy yeah
2: yeah yeah no, he's he's been you know leading leading that charge for years yeah. real quick break bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action folks of course baseball season in full swing playoffs not far away you can track all that action at bet online you can get the latest news odds and Of course, for all your sporting needs, you include uh, MLB, NBA, NHL. You got NFL coming back tonight as we sit here right now with the Hall of Fame game. There are odds for every Olympic basketball game, three on three, five on five. Team USA, 12 and a half point favorite against France in the gold medal game coming up on Friday. So that'll be fun. Uh, U.S. against Evan Fournier. Uh, Plus, already odds for next year's NBA championship in the Celtics well plus 3300 it's not great at the moment probably better than you would have anticipated real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's the best way best place for you to place your bets free to sign up and before the next pitch or whatever else obviously you know pucks dropped and you know tip off and uh, kick off and everything you can head to bet online on your laptop or mobile device take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget use the promo code CLNS50 to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So I think it just it has to come back to and and you know I I, I recognize I, I just want to put it out there. I'm not saying this does uh, impact what you're comfortable saying or not saying, but I'm, you know, as, as the radio voice of the team, as a guy who, you know, is, is part of a podcast that, that the Boston Celtics themselves run, I I recognize you may not be the, you know, as, as, as free speaking as, as, you know, random fans out on Twitter would be. You heard me for the last (laughs) 21 years. (laughs) Well, but at the same time, you know, this is really the first time that, that I can remember that ownership has come under fire. You know, it's been, you know, Danny Ainge, you know, left them in a crappy situation or Brad Stevens isn't doing enough. What we're now getting into and, and you're starting to hear it, you know, it's you're hearing a little bit more of it, not from, you know, the fans necessarily fans are still kind of heavy on the Danny Brad and, and just looking transactionally at things ownership though. And this refusal to spend into the tax and, you know, like you look at, Daniel Tice's trade last year, and maybe you wouldn't have brought him back anyway. You look at the money that he just got. But Daniel Tice literally was a a salary dump. Mm -hmm. You know, you could look at some of the other moves that have been made along the way, some of the other questionable decisions that ownership may or may not have obviously influenced. And I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty, maybe you know, in part because I'm not I'm not the absolute most qualified to get into the nitty-gritty of it. uh, but there are a lot of cap guys out there, and if you listen to them, you watch what they're tweeting right now, read what's out there and and just You know, it's we're we're so far away from like repeater tax in that conversation. The Celtics getting out of position to be, you know, in the tax to begin with, to pay the luxury tax. This is it's it's a negligible penalty. I mean it's a few million bucks. It's five million bucks. It's you know, it's it's not something that that is is going to hamstring you. You want to get into You know, the the hard capping and and apron and things like that's a whole other thing. We won't bog people down with it. But this this right here, Sean, is the first time that I can remember. Now it's going to the ownership level of after a a decade of listening to, you know, Wick Wick Rosbeck and company say, we'll pay into the tax for a contender. It's seeming that to even have a chance to contend, you need to pay into the tax. And what this team, you know, the approach that it's taking right now, financially, just financially, I can understand why there are a lot of fans out there that are upset. Well, of course. And that's by the way, um, that's a
0: fan's job. It's not a fan's job to count the pennies and to do the books and to fans don't know and don't care. And that's fine. How much money the Celtics lost last year when you are a team that sells out every game and you have three quarters of your ticket sale money disappear last year because of the pandemic. Obviously some teams got hurt more than others that way. I, I get it. It's what I was saying earlier about where are you spending your money? Does anybody think that with grows and the ownership and the managing partners ever wouldn't vote to spend whatever it took to get Kevin Durant or Giannis or someone like that to get, uh, there's no, there's no discussion. But as I said earlier, you do run into from time to time in this business discussion like are we going into the tax are we paying you want to pay whatever it is. again i, I do to do, do, you get the headache when you start you get the popsicle headache right when you start wandering into this what each thing means but do you go over cap limits and by the way in addition to there's money limits there's also flexibility limits too without going too far down this road and things you can't can't do when you go into different levels of your you're not allowed to sign a uh, you know, you're a mid-level exception guy, maybe you can't get if you're at a certain tax. So there's, it's not just money, but money's the thing too. Do you want to go over certain thresholds to add a player that might be a 10 or 12-minute-a-game guy? And as going back to our earlier discussion, I think the Celtics would add anybody that's going to push them over the top. Is there a player that is worth going into the next We'll say for the sake of this discussion, the next tax threshold, the next whatever for this season, that's going to, uh, what's the expression we like to use? Move the needle guy. So Mm -hmm. it's going to take you from 43 to 44 wins and take you from the eight seed to the seven seed or take you from the five seed to the four, whatever it is. Um, I think that you've got, what is it now? Uh, 18, 19 year, this ownership group. I think you've got a track record of, going for it when there's an opportunity to go for it. And, you know, how, if Kevin Durant, who's, you know, Boston was his number two choice when he went to Golden State, what if Kevin Durant had come sure. here in, you know, it's all these different mm-hmm. things. I, I don't think there's enough evidence to suggest that this ownership group in any way is going to let finances stop them from making a run at the whole thing. If you want to argue that, well, they didn't go into the uh, the next level of tax threshold to sign Patty Mills to be a fifth guard or a fourth or fifth guard in 2022 in a year in which they probably weren't an elite team in the Eastern conference anyway. Okay. That's fine. It's not a great talk show. It's not terribly compelling. (laughs) I'm, I'm fine with that. When you don't live up to expectations in your own expectations, you are subject to criticism or discussion. That's, That's the way of it. Uh, The fact that you went from one of the most respected and successful general managers in recent NBA history and a coach who, by the NBA standard of how we judge coaches, do you win more games than you're supposed to, had a very good eight-year run that went from outstanding to maybe one down to very good, right, in two of the last three years. And you've replaced them with someone who has never done the job before in either spot. Of course you got concerned to be, you know, by the way, that's what they said when Danny age became general manager for the first time, what did they say? He's never done that before. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just a coach. All right. So there's, there are questions. There's uncertainty. There was a difficult season to get through last year. Uh, It's all the stuff is, I think it's fair to ask questions and you wouldn't, nobody connected to the Boston Celtics wants to be involved in a franchise where the expectations aren't super high and you get this criticism. This is part of being the Boston Celtics. I'm not going to name another team in a smaller market or whatever that has no history of winning or anything like that, but this is, this is part of the price that comes with, you know, wearing Boston Celtics on the front of your Jersey or your shirt or your polo shirt or on stenciled into your office or your business card.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, Nobody's going to be satisfied, right? I, I think. I think once the ball rolls out, and we see what's going on. I think. I think people will be a little more calm than they currently are and now. Because again, as as we've all kind of you know talked about, we talked about even you know pre-show, uh, Twitter as as it always is is a dumpster fire. But especially the past couple of days, um, and I get like the, the the appeal of the shiny new toy and stuff. But just it, right now, like financially, it you know, doesn't make a lot of sense for Boston at all. And again, if, if this is the plan, so to speak, I understand it totally under, totally get it. It's just a matter of, you know, following through on that next season when, and, and it, it, my only, my issue is, I guess it seems like, and again, as a, a content creator, so to speak, you know, the, the off season is way, is way more valuable than the actual season itself mm-hmm. because we do our best numbers, you know, YouTube wise, downloads wise, etc. this time of year. When there's so much news to react to, and there's there's this guy moving here, like the team building aspect of the NBA has now become more important to growth of a content creation company than the actual season itself. And I, I think people get so caught up in, in playing armchair, armchair GM at home, like they just, they just don't understand the actual like, – oh, because you can go on the NBA trade machine – and stick all these names in there. Isn't it so much fun to put like? like but when it actually comes down to it, there's there's like, you saw reports of guys signed for less money they were offered somewhere else. Like I, I think Malik Monk is a great example of that. Signed for the league minimum with the Lakers. It's like, well, I get that. You know, from a looking good standpoint, I get. I, you know, could he have gotten more money elsewhere? Probably, but he wants to go to a situation where he's going to look good in. And guess what? He'll get paid another probably some other time if he looks good with the Lakers and wins a championship. I'm sure that'll go well for him. You know, Patty Mills had more money, I think, elsewhere. Otto Porter took less money to play with Like, Eventually, you, the idea is to be one of those teams, Sean, where you, you end up as the team that gets these guys because you're closer to the championship precipice, right? You're, you're closer to that level to take guys that are like, you know, latching on to a ring chase to maybe get that next contract, to get one more shot at a 3-year yeah. deal somewhere, right? You're not that team yet. And, you know, and it, it, if you're not going to overpay guys, which Boston isn't going to do right now, no 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 I got got to keep it, you know, PG or no crap, nobody's going to sign with you because <laughs> because you're not the Nets. You don't have Durant and 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 Harden and Kyrie on your team. You don't have LeBron Anthony Davis you have two young guys that maybe by the time Anthony da- or by the time LeBron and Kevin That's Durant right. you know get older and they're looking to latch on to teams maybe you're the team they're looking to latch on to because you have two guys that are 24 and 25 right now that you know one's a top you won't to call Tatum a top 15 guy right now and playing for Team USA and getting important minutes in these games against you know countries on, on the biggest stage and Jalen Brown who's top 30, 25 guy right now, as they get older, they'll climb the ladder, as you said. Maybe you're the team that's that's grabbing some of these guys that are on the way down. And again, I'm not, I'm not using Durant as an example, but eventually he's going to not be Kevin Durant anymore. But maybe you're the team that teams are flocking to, to latch on one more time, just one more shot, because of the, the gap in age that they carry. Like, that's the thing we've talked about a bunch. This team has overachieved so much that there was eventually, Sean, going to be uh, uh, a regression back to the mean, so to speak, with th- this team. They weren't going to contend for, you know, as much as we all have Jason Tatum, he's not the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball. You know, it's going to take time for Tatum to get to that elite level of the Durants, the LeBrons, the Curries of the world. So, you know, as, as, as sexy as it's, as it's not, you know, they're just not in that particular realm right now. And, and, and it just makes more financial sense for a team that, and I, and you know, again, Adam is all over ownership in terms of not willing to spend, but there's real money at stake here. And, and those guys, you know, they have to think about that going now and going forward.
0: That's ownership calling you right now. There's uh, a, <laughs> there's a couple of things you said that sort of, I don't say they contradict each other, but it's the duality of the world you're in. And that you are talking about something over the next few years. And I, you know, I do this a lot. You try to see beyond right. And how things are going to, but no, but that's not what social media And fan reaction is, and go back to uh, one of the the moments that always stuck stuck with me from this year, not because of its own individual case, but because of how that particular medium has changed. It was the, what, the fifth or sixth, seventh game of the year, the Pistons came in here and Sadiq Bey made all those threes. Mm -hmm. And the Pistons win the game. And it was, they have Sadiq Bey and the Celtics took Aaron Neesmith and he's not even, and people were outraged at the pick. Seven games into their rookie year. (laughs) <laughs> it was, he's a bust. Yep. Aaron Neesmith. What? Like he could be, if Aaron Neesmith was the worst player in NBA history, he wouldn't be a bust seven games in to his NBA career. That's just not, it's just not possible, but that's the, how do you manage dealing with the the noise? The noise is all about right now versus what you're talking about, which is the, the plan and how things can work out in a perfect world. And one of the reasons the 2019 Celtics, didn't work is because those guys that want to come and play with the the guys in the prime of their career, or have a chance to win a championship. Need to be the older guys that you're talking about, the former elite players, the former best player on a certain team who's ready to become a role player. The 2019 Celtics tried to do that with young guys, with you know Tatum and Terry Rozier and guys who had were still in their first contracts, and it doesn't work. Then it has to be guys who've already made their money and gotten their contracts and now just want to win because this league is set up to get yours in the first few. You got to get through that rookie contract, right? Before you can actually establish yourself. And it's not just all about money. It's about saying you're a player in this league For Terry Rozier. Yeah. He wanted to get paid. Everybody wants to get paid, but he also wanted to show, Hey, I'm Terry Rozier and I can be this level player in the league. And he wasn't going to get that opportunity as the sixth or seventh guy on a championship caliber team. And you look, turn the clock back a couple of years earlier when golden state was winning the championships. Those guys were Sean Livingston, Andre Godala, Andrew Bogut, those kind of guys, not players in their first and second year as talented as they may be. So of course that's the, that's the blueprint, but it's not going to happen right now. And we're going to, it's going to be another year of Sadiq Bay is better than Aaron Neesmith on any given night. I mean, that's, as we said, this may be the perfect plan, but it's not going to be any fun when Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker come to Boston and win a game. If that happens.
2: I think a lot of people don't want to live fans three, four down years down the road financially. You know, I think that's, that's the biggest thing it's, you know, we don't, we don't want to think about the numbers and other people's money. And this guy could be a free agent if he doesn't resign. And if he is, you know what are the chances he comes to you versus going somewhere else? Like a lot of people just have their maybe the organization as well. Their eggs in that Tatum and Beal are our, our best friends basket, and and this is an inevitability. This is you know it's honestly in a lot of ways people are looking at it the same way that that so many of us looked at. Well, when Gordon Hayward's a free agent, of course he's going to come to Brad Stevens, and you know he did, but it did, it didn't work out as we saw. But people are looking at it in 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 large part that way. You know, you 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 can only as a fan, I feel like you can only in your in your right mind kind of live 3 4 down the years down the road in, in the way that we all were forced to when the nets trade was made. And it's okay. Well, there are all these looming draft picks and these, you know, the pick switches and these could be top 10 picks, top 5 picks. Hell, it could be number 1 every single year. And so that was You know, part of that rebuilding, that retooling, that excitement that people had. People are are less inclined to be excited the way this is going right now. Now, we hit on this before. I think this will be a good team. Now, good is relative. It's not a, it's not on paper right now, a a championship contender. I don't think it will be on the floor either. I think it's a team that could finish as high as fourth in the East. It could be 10th in the East. You know, there's a, there's a big range and obviously health is a big part of that as well. I think if this team is healthier than it was last year, which wouldn't take much because last year they were about as banged up and COVID ridden as any team in the NBA by a, by a wide margin. I think this will be a better team than it was last year. If you're telling me, I I don't know what the over under for wins is going to be for this team. But if if you're going to tell me it's 39 and a half, I'm slamming that over. This team to me is a team that is going to go above 500. I truly believe that even with the roster that we see in front of us right now, which still here in early August projects to trade again, the, the Tristan Thompson, Chris Dunn deal isn't even done yet. But what we are seeing, I think what is interesting in the short term, Sean, is I don't remember the last time you were on the show uh, with regard to the the timeline of this offseason, but we haven't gotten into this. We're seeing how Brad intends to build this team for the new head coach, Ime Udoka, and obviously Udoka and his role and his background, he has a say in this, certainly. They're going back to their roots for Brad's successful teams. They're going defensive-minded. They bring in Horford and Cantor, notwithstanding. They bring in Richardson, Dunn, maybe. You know, this this is the priority. This is the emphasis What are you seeing, what is your, you know, or do you have a big takeaway with respect to how Brad is building out this team right now, despite his limitations, as opposed to what we saw all these years from Danny Ainge?
0: Well, it's, it's players. He, you know, he's his, what's going to make his perspective interesting is coming more from the, from the front lines and coaching these guys. And obviously in the, the as you said, the image of the team that he wants, and the longer defenders, Chris Dunn is an interesting player, and it's it's funny how things come around full circle, right? That this was the guy that Celtic fans wanted, yeah. and now you know there's no buzz or interest or whatever because who's watching Chris Dunn play his games in Chicago or you know? And again, as you said, he's been hurt. Um, it's just so funny because that was uh, an example, and maybe appropriate given the conversation we're having that it is a fan's job to be loud. It is a fan's job to be. Passionate, it is a fan's job, whatever, but and it's not their job to be right, and often they're not. And that's a great example that you have the, the two big examples on draft night of people booing like crazy, right? It, isn't it funny how there's so many Celtic fans now online and whoever I i love the Jalen Brown pick, I was one, I was one <laughs> yeah. of those guys, okay, I'm sure you did because some I'm sure some people did, but it's funny because I don't remember hearing from a lot of you that
2: I love the Jalen Brown pick, they wanted Chris Dunn, who's Providence. I, I get it, and then a year you know earlier, what I, I wanted done, but it wasn't because I wanted done. I wanted done because Chicago wanted done, and I wanted to flip done right. for Jimmy Butler for Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that was that was part of the discussion
0: too. That Jimmy Butler, even the Jay Crowder thing is interesting now. Looking back now, Jay Crowder's gone to the finals mm-hmm. and continued to be Jay Crowder. He's going to have that <clears throat> chip. He went eight championships. He's still going to have the chip on his shoulder about you know about everything. I mean, he was one of the one of the really fun Celtics. That was obviously a fun team you know mm-hmm. to have Al Horford and then later Aaron Baines and there was a lot of great guys that come through here uh but the year before with Rozier I was I mean you guys know this mm-hmm. I I don't want to say you know I'm tenured I'm fortunate compared to a lot of my colleagues on social media and whatever that I, I think people you know when you've been around as long as I have or Mike or whatever you you, you get a, pa- a pass of the wrong word but you're not going to get obliterated a lot of the time there's always people that will do it and it's you know um, to take them out to the woodshed once in a while and throw an elbow and it doesn't happen <laughs> the but the one time you'll remember I got killed mm-hmm. was defending the Rozier pick because I had done a Louisville game on CBS the year before and I just remember in getting ready for that game how much I loved watching Terry Rozier and I had something in there about how uh, you know i Boo all you want. Have all the reaction you want. Remember, they wanted Justice Winslow Yeah, oh yeah. now available again. And look at Justice Winslow and Terry Rozier. So, again, a long way to get to the fact that Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown were picks that fans were very unhappy about, didn't like at the time, reacted passionately. Great. Do your thing. But it, sometimes things work out even if you can't see them at the time.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's – again, we go back to Brad and being the guy that can – and that's what makes it so interesting is Brad is the guy that's pulling the strings, so to speak, but knows these guys better than anybody else, which makes the, the looming Marcus Smart, you know, extension yeah. possibility, Robert Williams extension possibility, you know, interesting. You know, we'll we'll find out – I love the, the phrase. We'll find out what Brad really thinks about yeah. some of these guys. Of course, you
2: can't do it if you want Brad Beal.
1: Right. So Renounce. Yeah, but it's, it's, you know, I talked about last year, the disappointments of this team. And, and, and you know, again, injuries were, were awful. COVID was terrible. And you can, the one thing that I was consistently disappointed in was the defensive effort. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that you go back to teams that when Brad first started out, like, were they talented? I mean, yeah, every team. I mean, look, these are all NBA players. All these guys are talented. You see what they can do in open gyms. And you're just like, how come we can't do that in a real game? These are all talented guys. You can't double an open gym. Well, look <laughs> at Isaiah stuff.
2: Thomas in the Pro-Am the other night when he dropped 60 points. Yeah. So who was he playing against? Yeah. Me? Yeah, right. <laughs> Three of us, basically.
1: <laughs> but they, they, just, they, they competed on the defensive end. And that's something that, I, you know, when you build teams, you know, offense comes and goes as much as anything but defensively that's a lot of effort that's a lot of communication that's a lot of teamwork and and even though you might not have the most the most talented team might not have the long but like if you have the the, the highest energy effort team you can make an impact in that end and i think what we saw you know with this offseason is Brad was like yeah we you know, what we saw on the floor is not acceptable defensively i mean they just they were a disaster and you know again part of that's injuries and guys coming in guys going out but they need to get back to that identity. And, and I think this season, when you look at E. May and his his expertise in that area, you look at Brad and his emphasis in that area, now the way that Rockstar is constructed, you know, I, I think defensively this team will be significantly better than they were last year just because they're going to have continuity, A, hopefully, knock on wood with, with some of these injuries, but B, you know, they have some real focus in that. And so, you know, as you as you look towards the horizon here and everybody's going to be you know, offense, 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 because, you know, you have the, 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 the NBA favorite, you know, Brooklyn Nets who will score 130 points a game. You know, the, the, this is where I get back to like, yeah, will they be, will the win column look not as nice Yeah, but they will be, I think much more fun to watch because they will have a direction. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious in terms of, I was talking with this with Adam, you know, you know, pre-show, you know, what your interactions with E may have been like, you know, throughout your years in the NBA, if you've, you know, have you talked to them at all? You know, what kind of guy is Boston getting here in terms of, uh, you know, their new head coach? Cause we've talked to a bunch of people and, you know, there's been some, a lot of positivity about him, but we still have really no idea what's what, what to expect here.
0: There's a couple of interesting things there. The first is that one of the aspects of last year that was, I don't think, you know, fans didn't appreciate it. Cause I think they wanted to see Brad lose it. I don't know how he did. that was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen is his, Ability to find a way to defend his players and not – he had to have like the Homer Simpson stuff going on in the back of his head where it's like (laughs) veins were popping and stuff and things like that at at some of the things he was seeing because you're right, the defensive effort on a lot of nights just wasn't there. And, again, it was the kind of season where we don't even know half the thing. We know some of the COVID stuff, but you don't know all of it. I I bring this back to uh, the idea of – there was the game on Valentine's Day in Washington. And this is when people ask me and they do a lot about not traveling last year for the first time in, in 23 years. And one of the things, because I understood it, I got it. It was, this is COVID whatever. But as I've said many times, you cannot do my job properly or anywhere close to properly. If you're not there and you're not traveling with the team, it can't be done. Like, Max and I did the best we could. To make the games entertaining, and again being around as much as we didn't having having access uh, by text by text and the people we know, I think helped a lot of the broadcast. So I'll give you an example. I'm going somewhere with this. There was a team in the NBA in which the play-by-play announcer had never, and to my knowledge, to this point, still has not met the new coach. Hmm. They've never met. Okay. Think about that. I'm going back to the uh, Valentine's Day game about not traveling and the things you see and the things you don't see. Uh, why I was so impressive with Brad this year because Jason Tatum was brutal that day. It was one of the worst games he's played in the NBA. Celtics go, remember Washington, at, you know, later, weeks, obviously they were better and it kind of started around that time and they won a bunch of games. But Washington was at the bottom of the league and the Celtics went in there in a rescheduled game after they had been out on the West Coast. And had to go and play an after- Sunday afternoon game It was like a schedule loss anyway, and just got crushed. And I remember after I, I was a little, I'm rarely rough on them. The thing about Max and I is that we don't go overboard. We don't Homer it up, but we don't go overboard with criticism anyway. So, you know, when you hear it, it has impact. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. If you scream at every, every referee call, suddenly it has no impact. If you're constantly talking about how great your great team is and what the Celtics can do no wrong. And there you have no credibility. So I remember thinking, man, I, that was borderline harsh. And it was like, Oh no, he was, you were, you were perfect. It was terrible. He was terrible, whatever. For the first time in 23 years, I wasn't traveling. So I'm not sitting on a plane with Jason Tatum, watching him take an inhaler because he's a long hauler with COVID. You're not, it's not in your mind. Right. And so that's, a, from a fan perspective, why would it be in your mind, right, that Jason Tatum is just dealing with he's going to have days like that yeah. where he just can't play? He's trying to play an NBA game. A lot of people aren't able to get out of bed with these long hauler symptoms. He's trying to play an NBA game. And that's the kind of stuff when you're not traveling, you're not thinking about it as much. It's not in the forefront of your mind the way it the way it should be. Going back to the, like the Brad thing about Dunn, these bad defensive nights and Gallinari making about 28 threes that night in Atlanta. We just don't know all the things we know. And by the way, you're, Oh, you're making excuses for the Celtics. I'll go, I'll go backwards. I'll, I'll give you one more. And this is something I don't think people know. Remember the Celtics, one of the wins, and they had a lot of really good wins this year It was a strange year, right? In which they had, they won the season series from Milwaukee. They swept Denver they had all, you know, for all the Detroits and the bad games, they had Sacramento. They lost the season series to Sacramento. They swept Denver. There was another the Clippers. They swept mm-hmm. the Clippers. So it was a strange year that one. The Celtics won a game in Milwaukee. Remember that? They played two games in a row in Milwaukee. Uh, it's, uh, do we, do you know, if I ask the two of you, do you know when the Milwaukee Bucks got their second uh, shots? No, I, I don't, don't know. No, do no. I think, yeah. think there's a reason I'm bringing it up. Remember that game when the Bucs looked terrible and the Celtics beat them on that second night of the two game series? Was it earlier that day, the day before? I said all I'm going to say on the subject, but you get the, <laughs> you, you, you get the point. There are a million yeah. things about last year we don't know, right? That are not public information. Yeah. Uh, and it was nobody really wanted to hear it, but we had an asterisk playoff in 2020. Last year was an asterisk season. Nobody wanted to say it. I think we did an extraordinary job as a league of creating a facsimile of an NBA season, but, and I'm, you know, as an individual, I'm concerned that this year, the way things are trending right now, uh, nationally, that this isn't going to be what everyone hoped it would be, which is like, we're free and clear and we're starting fresh. And this is a regular NBA season again. Yep. We hope that's the case, but, and we're still 10, 11 weeks away or whatever it is. Um, but we don't know, and things are trending in certain parts of the country where there are NBA teams um, in a bad, bad way. So just keep our fingers crossed. By the way, when the Celtics came down with all, when the COVID really hit them hard, about a month into the season, four, five, three, four weeks in the season, where had they been for the f- previous week? They were in Florida. Mm. Did you think that was an accident. That's when everybody. Uh, that's when, yeah. like two players. They, so. These are the things that again, there'll be books written, I'm sure, about. Oh yeah, Florida, Texas,
2: these states doing whatever they want. Then now
0: season and right. So yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed that this is a normal NBA season. And I always find it funny that the Boston teams, you know, the Bruins had a pretty good year, but the Patriots mm-hmm. had this really like off, like uh, not rebuilding year, but sort of this, the gap, the bridge year. Yeah, right. The Patriots did. The Red Sox did. Um last year all during and the Celtics did as well during the, the asterisk seasons, which I guess is when you want to have.
1: I have make the, the argument that belichick be going seven and nine with a Patriots team that could only run the football is one of the most impressive coaching displays we've seen in a yeah. long time. And because Patriots are so used to the Patriots going to the Super Bowl that nobody even realized how good it was. That defense and that, that, listen, half the half the defense, Cam can't throw it one side of the field. They can only run the football. I was – they are – they're almost 10-6. and six. It's, it's really impressive. And, Evan, what
0: you're saying is the issue. It is not – again, it seems like you're uh, being critical of fans. I'm not. Love every minute of it. But I say this one a lot. When I got back to – when I came back to Boston 20 years ago, my first year with the Celtics, <clears throat> was the 0-2 season, which was the run to game six of the conference finals. hmm So you end the season two wins away from the NBA finals. The Celtics had not been in the playoffs for the six, seven years before that, before I got back here. And fans wanted to have a parade for that team (laughs) because the enthusiasm flash forward to what I'm talking about in 2020, the Celtics went to, Oh, guess what? Game six of the Eastern conference finals, two games away from getting to the NBA finals and people, people, again, local minority were treating it as if
2: it was an insult. Yeah. Why why don't you hang a banner for it? This is what we celebrate around here now, and again, celebrating and enjoying that seven to nine season. If you don't,
0: it's part of being a sports fan. It depends maybe on the teams you grew up with, and again, if you're under thirty five in New England, you've grown up in a championship era. But to me, the romanticism of being a fan, of being a play-by-play. Listen, I've done everything there is to do. You know, you do stuff nationally, you do stuff, whatever. The best job in play-by-play has always been, as part of the reason I'm still doing this one, as opposed to more, you know, like more individual national stuff. Following a team from the first day of training camp to the end of the season—that's the romanticism of telling the story of that season. And there are 30 teams, so 29 of them are going to win the championship. And if you're not interested in the Friday night game against the Charlotte Hornets, okay. But that to me is just as interesting, as because you never know what's going to happen on any given night. Mm-hmm. you're going to go to the field house in Indiana and Bogdanovich with the game in hand is going to throw a crazy inbound pass. And Terry Rozier is going to steal it like Mel Palacio did and win the game. And I, I'm remembering things like Ricky Davis leading a comeback in Phoenix, like the day after Christmas, you know, in 2003, and the Celtics come from 17 down back when that was a big deal. 20 years Now coming from 17 down it happens like that. But uh, you remember individual games and you're having, you know, fun telling the stories of these players that come through And if you lose all of that, I wonder what you're doing hanging around. Like hanging around, that's what sports is. You know, there's, and by the way, not to get too waxed to whatever, but that's what life is. There's a lot more losing than winning in life. Um, So, you know, we don't all win the championship in our lives, but it's the pursuit of it. And each individual day, and uh, the Celtics, have n't have uh, people? Oh, they've won one championship. The Celtics are still since 1986. I think they're eighth, maybe seventh or eighth in the NBA in championships with the with one. One. <laughs> so, want to be one of these other teams that isn't around? I'm all for high expectations. Sure, uh, that's part of my job. I expect when Max and I are doing a game every night. I think you know you guys know my work and the expectations I put on myself every night that I expect it to be the best broadcast in the NBA. That's my expectation when you, as I said before, when you have Boston Celtics connected to it, you expect to have that. Okay, that's great, but that doesn't mean you don't enjoy doing it and enjoy competing every night. And so I find that ironic. This could be the first time that the expectation, just one of Brad Stevens' problems is that in his first few years, the Celtics kept winning more games than they should have won and going farther than they should have gone, and that becomes a cycle of raising expectations. That, you're talking about the seven and nine Patriots last year. What about the 2015 Celtics, who were, mm-hmm. you know, uh, on the day that Pete Carroll decided to throw the ball on second and goal <laughs> yeah, instead of handing to Marshawn Lynch, the Celtics lost that day, and they were 13 and 30, 16 and 30, on the year, and for 41 and 87 in Brad's first year and a half, and that team made the playoffs from there, with you know, getting, making all that was the team that had like 41 different guys played on that yeah. team. That was, uh, you know, Luigi De Tome and making yeah. the Isaiah trade and whatever. And they did it in the mo- most remarkable fashion. It's one of the most amazing teams because they would lose the Friday night game at home. And I go, that's it. There's no way they can get the eighth seed now. They just lost a Friday night game at home. Then they'd go on the road on Saturday night, and win the back-to-back road game. It started that run of winning seven or eight. It was like an NBA record. They won seven or eight consecutive back-to-back road games uh, going into the next year. And they won the game in Toronto. The Marcus Smart up and under uh, that won the game in Toronto. Mm-hmm. They had all these amazing wins on back-to-back games and they make the playoffs. I'll never forget, you know, you guys know Mike Gorman's like like family to me. I've never forgiven him for this. So I'm telling the story of this amazing accomplishment of the Celtics making the, you know, making the playoffs. It was ridiculous in 2015 that they did. And then they're facing LeBron in the first round and a Cleveland Cavalier team that would go on to win the finals. And I sort of set up the storyline in doing conversations like this leading up to the, if the Celtics could win a game in this series, man, that would be their championship. Right imagine this team winning a playoff game and beating LeBron James and the Cavaliers in the playoff game and then uh Mike went out on TV said uh, Celtics in 6 yeah like, oh, <laughs> what are you what are you doing you were right, like was, that was that was probably the most sky high <laughs> more than like winning the championship a couple of years later and picking them yeah. to win the championship that was a more and I think I said at the time the Celtics aren't going to beat the Cavaliers four times in the next it's gonna take them fifteen, sixteen, whatever I said, and it ended up being that number. I think it took like sixteen, seventeen games for the Celtics to beat Cleveland, that Cleveland team,
1: but the Brown four times. But
2: <laughs>
1: point being that one. They got one, right? It was the Marcus they, Smart like heat check game where he somehow went nuclear. In other words, it was an Avery Bradley
0: game. I'm talking about regular like regular season, yeah. but obviously the Celtics got swept in that, you know, in that series. Um, but the point being that if you couldn't enjoy that twenty fifteen run, and then, you know, 2016, you won 48 games. And, again, as we've discussed many times, they got screwed by the electoral map, the tiebreaker, and mm-hmm. they probably shouldn't want won a playoff series in 2016. They just – they got the wrong seed because of Miami winning the division. Um, and then, you know, 2017 without Kyrie. And, you know Kyrie, you know, Kyrie have Isaiah leading to the conference finals in that 16, 17 season. So you achieve and you win more and more games. The problem with the team that should win 45, that wins 50, is that you come back next year, people think you're going to win 55. And a perfect example of that this year, and it just probably got corrected with Kemba and Fournier, mm-hmm. is that I thought the Knicks were headed for like the Knicks dramatically overachieved last year, mm-hmm. and now with teams being healthier and uh, you know Miami being much better, like there's no way the Knicks were going to finish fourth. I still don't think they will, but and this is the, this is sort of the problem for kemba. Kemba's going into a bad situation to me because now expectations are artificially high in New York, yep, first time in in forever. Now, like is Randall going to have that year again? You know, didn't like, or is he going to be playoff? Not so much around him, Randall. Right, so it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, I, lo- I loved Kemba. I feel terrible that that it happened the way it happened here for Kemba, and he just got hurt. Such a good dude, but I'm happy for him that he's in New York. And again, eight nine million dollars—that's awesome. Fournier is a good dude. He would have been a good Celtic. He loved being here. That, mm. This poor guy. Here's an example of a story that. Not I don't think just got the play it would have gotten if this was if this had been a normal season, me obviously it wouldn't have happened because it was a COVID story. But he flies to Boston. To, team teams on the road. Yep. Fournier flew to Boston too, because he had to do all his physical stuff and whatever, then joins the team in OKC, lands in OKC, and he's got a false positive. Yeah. And later later would get COVID. So he was staring. If that didn't get fixed, he would ponder this. He would have had to quarantine in OKC for two by weeks. himself. He would have been – he was a man without a country. He yeah. Couldn't join his new team. He had left his old team, and he had a, a long period of time, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, staring down the barrel of having to quarantine by himself. And this is how he starts his career. And then he went 0 for 11 or whatever in that first game. Yeah. like, I'm surprised he didn't go over for 50. Um, <laughs> but, again, we lost, I think, the human element which is natural by the disconnect of the media and people not being around the team. And I think that hurt and it made a team that wasn't terribly likable to watch a lot of nights anyway, certainly less so.
2: We'll cap it there. This show once again, powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Of course, guys, summer league action begins on Sunday. Should be a lot of fun to watch, obviously. Uh, Sunday, 4 o'clock Eastern, for those wondering, against the Hawks, NBA TV. There will be four games for the seas of, you know, regular tournament games, play-in games, whatever. And then there's a championship game. Every team is going to play 30 games. It's operating differently than it has in the past. I like it, though. So the C's, uh, you know, basically would be in Vegas for a week, maybe a week and change. And that's what we're looking at, an opportunity to see... Uh the uh the, the new pick uh Beg your own, baby. Beggarong, yeah. I'm you got which everybody's edit. excited yeah. about. So be a, be a good time. Pritchard will be there, Peyton Pritchard and uh you know Romeo Langford uh, doesn't seem thrilled about it, but he'll be there as well. Aaron Neesmith and company, so should be fun. But Sean Grandy, always fun when you join us. Thank you so much, my friend. got it, guys. All right, for Sean, Evan Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. Join us again next week. Summer League action to talk about at that be point. Fun. Look forward to it.